So I'm excited about the REACH series. It's going to begin two weeks from today, October the 15th. And here's what I would love for you to do is begin praying about that, uh, that God will bless that time together, that also uh, if you can in any way possible be here all five weeks of the REACH series. And I promise you it will be a blessing and a challenge to your life. And uh, looking forward to doing it along with you and maybe getting back out on the street with my ladder. And the ladder will make a lot more sense once we get into that series together. But today, I want to come to uh, my final message on our All In series with one of my favorite people in all the Bible. I love this guy so much that I named my second son after him. This man's name is Caleb. And Caleb was one of the two spies that was sent by uh, Moses into the Promised Land. Uh, right after they came out of Egypt, they were stationed at a place called Kadesh Barnea. They sent 12 spies. Ten of them came back and said, no way, we're not going in. They're like grasshoppers. They're all over the place, and they're huge. There's giants everywhere. Two of them came back, Caleb and Joshua, and said, no, uh, we can do it. God will do it for us. He's promised us. Let's go forward. Well, what should have been a 45-day trip from Egypt to the Promised Land took 45 years. Now, what do you do? What do you do when that kind of challenge comes into your life? You knew where you were going. You had the faith and you thought you had the path and you had the plan. And then you face challenges. You're not where you want to be at this point in life. Or it's not going the way that you had always planned it to go. How do you react to that? How do you deal with the challenges to your faith? I've jumped over to chapter 14 in the book of Joshua. Where we left last week, they had just experienced a defeat in a town called Ai. And the reason they were defeated in attacking Ai in chapter 7 is because of there, were, there was sin in the camp. And they had rushed into it. And, but then in chapter 8, which I didn't preach on, they come back. They make a comeback. And they defeat I. And then over the next few chapters, uh, actually seven years go by as they're establishing their life at this higher level in the promised land. These are all the people who said, we're not going to settle in the wandering wilderness. We're going to go forward. They cross the Jordan River miraculously. Now they're fighting the battles. They're winning the battles. And they've come to this, this first magnificent moment where all the heads of the tribes come together. They come to Eliezer, the priest, to Joshua, uh, the leader of Israel. They come, and they're going to cast lots. They're going to roll the dice, basically. It was a spiritual way that, uh, uh, that they approached it, and God controlled that dice. As it, as it tells us, they can, he controlled those lots to determine which tribe got which boundaries and which parts of the promised land went to, went to which people. So this is a very incredible moment in the history of Israel. They're finally in the promised land. They're finally about to receive their inheritance. And they, at the very front of the line, was an 85-year-old man saying, I am here to claim my promise, to claim the promise of God, to claim the inheritance that I have been promised. And his name was Caleb. Now, Caleb had something that I want to talk about this morning that put him in that position at that age with his strength and vitality and passion. He had something that we desperately need as believers. 
And uh, University of Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania psychologist Angela Duckworth writes a lot about this. And the term is grit. And the reason she's writing about it and a lot of other people is what they've, what they've seen is that the amount of grit and determination resilience is decreasing in our children, in our young people. Grit is defined this way by her. Listen to how she defines it. Grit is a distinct combination of passion, resilience, determination, and focus that allows a person to maintain the discipline and optimism to persevere in the goals, even in the face of discomfort, rejection, and a lack of visible progress for years or even decades. Long-term resilience. And we're not seeing that in the coming generations. And they're not probably doing so well because their parents have uh, had diminishing amounts of grit. We want things handed to us. We want things to come easily. We have become, we kind of have a sense of entitlement. But Caleb never had that. He stands at this moment receiving his inheritance for two reasons. The first is the grace of God, and the second is his personal grit. So I want to talk about true grit. And grit is really a combination of, of our faith, and, and faith is the assurance of things hoped for, of things not seen. And, and we have faith in God, but grit is that determination that when your faith really gets muddled and fog and, and, and all of the fog of war comes into your life spiritually and you get discouraged, you just continue to press on. Nothing diminished Caleb. Nothing uh, slowed him down. He had grit, and grit plus grace brought him victory. We, cha- we are challenged by that. We're challenged... Uh, as young people, as young people, when we run into barriers or trolls and, and different things, uh, we will easily kind of go our own way. Instead of staying on the straight and the narrow and doing what we're raised to do and we know is right and wrong, we easily uh, we easily get turned aside and we end up going down paths and doing things we just shouldn't do. And, and so as young people, sometimes we'll, with a lack of grit and determination, we'll just, we'll just veer off on a destructive path. And some of you have been down that path. I've taken paths in my life because I didn't, I didn't keep focused. I didn't, I didn't keep moving forward with the call of God. As middle-aged people, which I'm in that area, middle-aged people, we get overwhelmed with busyness, with uh, money challenges because you have kids and all the expenses that come your way. And then you, you start purchasing things and middle-aged people get overwhelmed with work and materialism and children you get so distracted and busy that you stop pressing forward and you end up not getting where god wants you to get and you start to settle in the wilderness and you begin to wander in your middle ages and then if you make it through there sometimes when you get into older age wherever that starts now I don't know when you get old anymore, but when you get into older age, you get physically tired, you can get emotionally tired, and you can begin to give up. Caleb shows us some of the characteristics that you and I need to persevere when we're young, when we're in our middle ages, and persevere, be all in, even until the end. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. Galatians 6, 9 says this. 
So Paul says this. He says, let us not lose heart of doing good. For in due time we shall reap if we do not grow what? If we do not grow weary, if we do not give up. There's a great combination here. I want you to watch this. And this is the combination that of grace and grit. Because we wouldn't be anywhere if it weren't for the grace of God. He saves us. He gives us His Spirit. He sets us apart. He gives us spiritual gifts, physical gifts. Everything we have comes from Him. So everything is by grace. But then you'll see in the Scripture passage where grit comes in. Look at verse 56 of 1 Corinthians. Now I'm getting the just hang with me. He says, The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who gives us the victory? God gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. That's by grace. He gives us the victory over sin and death and the power of sin and the law. He fulfills the law for us. All of that is by grace. But watch this next verse. Verse 58, he says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, just rest. Don't worry about it. You don't even have to try. It's not what he says. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers, having the victory through grace over all these spiritual giants and enemies that had you enslaved and dead in sin, with all the grace there. Now, here's what I want you to do, my beloved brothers. Be what? Steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, that in the Lord, your Labor is not in vain. Now that verse contains a lot of words that we don't, as Americans don't like. A lot of times we as believers don't like. Words like labor, work, uh, steadfastness, immovable. You hear what Paul is saying? You have all of this given to you by God. You have every riches, all the riches of glory. You have a great inheritance in Christ. But in your earthly life, you're going to have to be gritty to gain ground, to live at that higher level, to not be spiritually defeated, takes grace and it takes true grit. It's going to take grit, resilience, determination. I want to show you some of the foundations I believe that Caleb had that gave him that kind of true grit. He was so gritty. He became a hero for the people of Israel. Now, how do you know that? Well, he's mentioned in a proportionate way in the Scriptures at these moments in the book of Joshua. Six times there is a phrase used with this man, Caleb. I'd give anything to have this phrase used of me by the Lord in His Word. Six times. When Caleb is referred to, it refers to him with this phrase, he wholly followed the Lord. He wholeheartedly followed the Lord. Six times he is told, we are told he was all in. He's 85 years old in this passage. He's still as wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord as he was when he was 40 years old and he escaped out of Egypt. No wonder it says in Numbers 14, I love what it says there. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land, uh, uh, I bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. You know what's hurting the church? 
is that we're not often of different spirit. Of a different spirit. What was different about Caleb? He had grit. Faith that persevered. Faith that pressed on. Faith that uh, wasn't afraid to face the giants. And Caleb, listen, Caleb had all excuses. He had excuses. One of the excuses he could have used is, uh, you know, I don't need to... I don't need to wait and waste these 45 years in the wilderness because I'm not even really one of these people. It, Caleb is ref, uh, Joshua, or Caleb is referred to as a Kenizzite, and there's some discussion about what that means. Most likely, he was an Edomite, and his family, or just he himself, was adopted into the tribe of Judah. He was not a natural-born Israeli. He was uh, brought into the family of God as a proselyte. He was brought in uh, uh, and wasn't by birth Jewish. He could have just thrown up his hand and said, you you folks are crazy. Wasting my time. He had that as an excuse. He was a foreigner. He could have come in and said, God, I am so tired. I'm so tired of wandering and suffering. He was a sufferer. For 40 years, he suffered slavery in Egypt. How many of us have done that? He was under bondage his first 40 years. He was a sufferer. He was a foreigner. He was a wanderer for 40 years. 38 years of his life were wasted in that wilderness. Now, seven more years have gone by since they crossed that river. He's now 85 years old. He wandered. He had all sorts of excuses. What's your excuse? But what we know Caleb as is not as any of those things because of his grit, his faith, his perseverance. We know him as a conqueror. A conqueror. I love this guy, Caleb. Let's look at these scriptures together. Look at Joshua 14, verse 6. And I start in verse 6 because in the first five verses, they've gathered the heads of the tribes They're rolling the lot. They're casting the lot. They're determining all of this. Then it comes to the very first tribe, the tribe of Judah. And at the head of the tribe of Judah, let's find Caleb. Look at verse 6. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, came up to his old friend, the last one. Only Joshua was left. He and Joshua were left from from the guys that came out of Egypt. The rest of them died in the wilderness. He says, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And so he comes up. And he just boldly says, you remember what God told you, Joshua, and I'm here to claim my inheritance. At the foundation of Caleb's the foundation of his faith was a, a confidence, a confidence, not in his own ability, not in his own strength, not even in his birthright, because he had none of that. His confidence was in God's work, in God's work in his life. Let me explain. Because he was a Kenizzite, he was adopted in 
to uh, the body, the people of Israel. He had no great heritage to look back on, be proud of. He's kind of adopted in. You know the Bible says that about us. You and I are adopted. Listen to what Romans 8.22 says. In this hope, in verse 24, he says, uh, uh, in verse 23, And not only does the creation groan, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan in- inwardly as we eagerly wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. See, you and I have been adopted into the family of God, just like Caleb was adopted into the people of Israel. So he couldn't look back and say, you know, I have all this by rights. No, he had all of that by grace. And so did you. God had worked in his life providentially to put Caleb in the family of Israel and to, and to bring him through 85 years to this moment. He was trusting in the work of God in his life. Do you believe God's at work in your life? Do you believe that he is providentially at work guiding your life? Are you trusting that? Is that a sense of confidence? But listen, here's what his confidence was truly in. If we look back at that passage, if we look back at that passage, he says over and over and over, he refers to God with the covenant name Yahweh or Lord with capital letters there. And when he refers to that, he's claiming that he is in a promise covenant relationship with God. And then he adds two words to the next to that. He says, the Lord, my God, what gave him great confidence at the very foundation of his true grit was his confidence and sense of his identity as a, as a follower of God. He knew who he was. Here's why a lot of believers to struggle is because they have no sense of confidence. God has brought you to the faith. You have trusted Christ. You are his. Have that sense of confidence in the work of the Lord. He's also confident in the integrity of God's word. Look at verse 9 with me. Look at verse 9 with me. And Moses swore on that day. Now here's Caleb. He's still talking to Joshua. He's still talking to all the leaders. And he's saying, I'm here. And the reason I'm here, and I'm 85 years old, and I'm here to claim my territory is because God keeps his word. Listen to verse 9. And Moses swore on that day. He swore. He said, surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever because you have fully followed the Lord, my God. He said, he said, I have a promise. I have a promise in Scripture. I have a promise right out of the mouth of Moses, right from the heart of God. I'm telling you, listen. One of the reasons that our young people, when they hit uh, high school and college and move out, and the storm of temptation and and uh, philosophies and different things hit, and they drift and they're washed away, why there's not much grit is because somewhere along the lines, they have not become anchored to a confidence in God's Word, a confidence in the integrity and the authority of God's Word. 
And the reason that they probably, a number of them, don't have that is because their parents don't have that. Jesus said a lot about this. He said, listen, there's a storm coming. He who builds his house, builds his life on my word, if you'll trust my word, if you'll anchor your home and your life on the authority and integrity of what I have said in my word, the storms are going to come. You're not going to be able to see. All you are going to have is my promise. You may be in a period of wandering, and it may be your fault or it may be someone else's fault, but I'm telling you, if you will found your life, just stay connected, anchored to my word. I never break a promise. And God never breaks his promise. He never compromises on the integrity of his word. God has promised you some amazing things. He's promised you life in Christ. He's promised you that you are born again. You're a new creature. He's promised you the availability and power of his spirit. He's a promise to he's promised to be with you no matter what that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. His promises are rich and deep. Do you know them? Do you trust them? Are you anchored to them? If you are not, if you're not, if you don't rehearse those promises, you're not going to make it to 85. Firm, gritty in your faith. It's going to be tough. You're going to die in the wilderness. You'll probably never get up to that level of fruitful, effective living that God wants you to be at, that you really want to be at. I'm telling you, it's going to take some grit. You want grit? You want grit? Know who you are in Christ. Be confident in your identity. Know the promises and truths of God. Know that His Word is true. Trust His Word. Walk in in faith and perseverance with her. That's foundation one. That's foundation two. He trusted in God's Word, in the work of God, in the integrity of God's Word. And he trusted that, that God was involved in every aspect of his daily life. He walked up. He was first in line, and they were casting lots. They were casting lots. And uh, God was directing them and commanding them to do that. And he was trusting God to give him his lot in life. And all of us have a different lot in life. All of us have been given different places, people, talents, trials, testings. Do you trust God with the lot in life that he's given you? Do you trust that he is providentially involved in that? Sometimes that's a tough thing because you don't like your lot in life. And you look at God and say, you know, maybe you don't love me. Maybe I I can't be confident and trust you with that. Here's what Caleb did. He came in and he said, you know, it is not fair that I had to waste 40 years of my life. I could have been, we should have been in that promised land 40 years ago. But here's what his confidence in the sovereignty and providence of God gave Caleb. It gave Caleb the ability not to be bitter. The ability to just trust God, that God was providentially moving in every twist and turn of his life. I have to really 
think about these things a lot, do you? I have to return. I'd like to say these are so embedded that I never even have to think about it. I'm gritty no matter what. Are some of y'all gritty no matter what? You never have a down day. You never have a, a thought about, you know, I'm just maybe I'm going to give up. What do you do? Well, I look at a guy like Caleb. And I look at what made him gritty and I remind myself. I may not feel like it today, but I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I'm a child of God. I may not feel like it. And the evidence may be against it at the moment. And the reason the evidence is against it is because I'm looking at the giants instead of God. Sometimes I just need to remind myself of who I am. And, you know, a lot of times when, I, when I'm not gritty, it's because I, I begin to doubt. You ever begin to doubt a little bit? Confidence in God's love, providence. I was uh, talking with a guy one time years ago, you know, and I was struggling with the decision and and I said something, you know, pastors, it was another pastor, and it's good to talk with other pastors from time to time, and we kind of help keep each other sane, straight. I said, man, I just don't want to mess up. I don't want to mess my whole life up with a bad decision. He looked at me, and he said, you're not big enough to mess your life up that bad. Who do you think you are? You are not big enough. And he was quick to remind me, I'm a child of God. God's providentially at work in my life. And, and my mistakes, your mistakes, are not going to take you so far off. You've outsized God. You've outmessed Him up. He can't fix you. That is not what the Word of God says. You may spend 40 years wandering, wasting. You may seem like I've wasted 40 years. But I'm telling you, just have grit. Trust in His Word. Trust in His promises. You may be hitting 85 years old, but I love... Let's, let's look at this. I love this guy's uh, strength. Look at verse 10 of Joshua 14. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Just as He said, 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness, and now behold, I am this day 85 years old. Man, I'm telling you, is he, he's saying that with pride. He's not going, I'm 85 years old. I missed it. I'm old and beat up. I can't enjoy any of this anymore. It's too late for me. He didn't become bitter. He didn't become a bitter complainer. Look at verse 11. I love this. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. 45 years ago. He says, come here. Find me a 40-year-old. I'm going to whip him. Who wants to arm wrestle? I love this guy, Caleb. I mean, he's just, he's just, he just has a dogged determination. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and just for going and coming. I can walk. I can do all the things of life. I am prepared. Give me this land. I know it's filled with giants, 
I don't care because God is with me. He has been faithful for 85 years. He delivered me as a as a uh, an orphan, a Kenizzite orphan. He delivered me as a slave out of Egypt. He delivered me through 40 years, and He has kept my strength and my mind, and I am ready to go, and I'll keep fighting a battle. I love this guy. He's got grit, true grit, and it's grit that is founded upon faith in the integrity of God's Word and His identity as a child of God. It is, it is faith founded, grit founded in the fact that he believes in the sovereignty and providence of God in every move of his life. He's gritting. I love his confidence. Look at verse 12. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there. Where did they hear that the Anakim, or giants, were in that land? They heard it from him. He had gone through this same territory, and he's walking through Hebron. He's walking through this area of Hebron, and he is, he is noticing that it is a beautiful piece of property. I love this guy. He went out like a realtor as a spy. The other ten, they're looking around, hiding from the giants and all the people really whirling. And Caleb's writing down, he's saying, that is a really nice piece of property. He's thinking Hebron is the choice property. But guess what? The choice place with God is the place of the biggest giants. The Anakim were just everywhere in Hebron. But what the difference was between Caleb and Joshua and those ten other spies 40 years earlier, here's the difference. I'm telling you, this is where you get your grit. Those ten other spies saw the same giants, and they were fearful because they compared the giants, the size of the giants, with their own size. Caleb and Joshua did the exact opposite. They compared the size of the giants to the size of their God. And if you will do that, if you'll just do that, stop comparing the size of the problems with you. You lose all the time. You will lose if you compare all of those to you. Compare the giants and the troubles to the size of God, and you focus on the fruit, the fruitfulness, and the promise. And he did that. I love this verse. He says, just give me this land. And, and look at the end of verse 12. Are we all still in verse 12? It may be that the Lord will be with me. You even detect his humility there. It may be that the Lord will be with me. But he would not even presume upon God, even at that point. He said, and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. He said, if God is with me, I'll have no trouble with the giants. Verse 13. Then Joshua blessed him, and he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for his inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he what, church? He wholly followed the Lord. That's verse 14. He wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. So i got to close this up. He had a confidence in the work of God. The second thing he had was a commitment to God's vision. God gave him a vision. When they came out of uh, Egypt, 
Moses said, I want to send uh, some spies into the land just to see what's going on. But here's what God said. There is on the other side of the, jo- of the Jordan a land flowing with milk and honey. How many of you heard that phrase? Flowing with milk and honey. Just that one phrase sparked a vision in Caleb. And a vision. And it should spark a vision for you. Flowing with milk and honey is not really the vision that God has given you and me. That really doesn't... uh, I mean, it still sounds appealing. Let me read you a verse that strikes vision with me. It's in John. Chapter 15, verse 16. John chapter 15, verse 16. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to you and me. And here's his vision. You did not choose me, but I chose you. What's your identity, church? What's your identity? Jesus chose you. You're one of his. He says, I chose you. You remember that, but I've also appointed you. And you're going to have to be gritty. You keep moving forward. And here's what I want to see in your life. It is not going to a piece of property that flows with milk and honey. It is living a state of life that bears much fruit. I want you to go, and I want you to bear what? Fruit. The fruit of the new promised land, the fruit of the level of living we rise to, that kind of fruit, where do we find it? It's not on the trees and streets of Gainesville. Jesus is looking to find that fruit in you. It's you. It's people. It's the fruit of the Spirit. He says, I want to send you out that you go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. A few verses earlier, listen to what Jesus says. Here's his vision of the new body of Christ. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who will abide and stay in relationship with me and I and him, that branch will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I want to be all in until the end. My prayer is that when it comes down to the end, that I haven't arrived in a place or a vocation or a, a destination or a level of success or a level of retirement income. All of these things that we tend to gauge at the end. When I stand before my Joshua, my Lord Jesus, I want him to look at my life and say, you bore much fruit. You bore 
much fruit. I was able to live my life in you and through you and produce fruitfulness in your life. And you were yielded to me and you were dependent upon me and you were trusted in my word even when you couldn't see and you couldn't tell and even when you didn't feel like it. You just stayed gritty and my grace and you kept moving forward and you trusted and you were willing like Caleb to face the giants. And let me move. And you bore much fruit. That's my, that's my promised land. A fruitful life for Jesus. Is that yours? That I bear much fruit for His glory. Caleb did that with courage, commitment. Let me close with this little list of applications. Can I just encourage you? I loved Lacey's uh, testimony before she was baptized up there. I loved her testimony. She said basically what I say in this first point, don't let your background determine who you are, restrict you. God used Caleb. He can use any of us. Second of all, don't let the barriers intimidate you. You're going to face barriers, physical barriers, financial barriers. You're going to face all sorts of challenges. And and God, God wants you just to, with His grace, have grit. Don't give up. Don't grow weary in doing good. Thirdly, don't let the peer pressure distract you, persuade you. There will be for every two people that will tell you what is right, there'll be ten people who will tell you what is wrong. You can count on it. It's going to take discernment and grit on your part to go with the minority in a lot of the, the realities of life. The two that point you towards faith are the two that's right. The two that point you towards trust in God's Word are the two that's right. There are lots of well-meaning, smart people who are part of the ten. But you listen to the two. Fourthly, don't let the circumstances depress you. Can you imagine? How many funerals did Caleb go to? I've, I, I, I deal with a lot of folks that, are in the, that, that live to 90, 100, all, and, and here's what they all say. I don't, I don't have any friends left. I have a few, but a lot of them have died. Caleb's had about a million of his friends die. I don't know if they're all his friends, but he, they all died in the wilderness. He did not let his circumstances determine who he was. He let God determine that. God's Word, he kept moving through. Third, or fourthly, don't let your age deter you. Don't let your age deter you. Let God give you strength and vitality in your spirit, and He can do that. And don't let victory escape you. Caleb, to me, and the reason I wanted to end on this is Caleb, to me, is kind of the ultimate picture of someone who's all in. He was all in until the end. May it be so for us, church. May it be so for us. Let's pray together.
Thank you, God, for this uh, wonderful example of faith. Grace plus grit. God, he faced things that weren't his fault, but he kept moving forward. He didn't grow bitter. He grew better. And Father, when the time came, he was ready to face the giants again. And he did. Father, there's so much to the, more to this story, but he, he enters his land. He defeats the giants. And generations were blessed. Generations were blessed by his faithfulness to God. I pray that generations to come will be blessed by the faithfulness of this church for such a time as this, for the people of this church, that all of us with grace and grit will walk forward in spite of the circumstances, no matter the giants, because we know the God we serve and the God who loves us. We know your word is true. We trust you today, and we thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen.